This podcast is brought to you by Prime Sport, official travel partner of the Seahawks. I'll be traveling with Prime Sport to New Orleans this year to watch the Hawks play Drew Brees and the Saints. You can come too. Just use discount code HAWK10 and get 10% off a travel package including airfare, game tickets, hotel, and a pregame party. Hope to see you there. All right, we are back for yet another edition, a award-winning gold medal blue ribbon edition, whatever the hell that means, of the Softy Hawk Blogger podcast. We break down the Seahawks, went over Atlanta, uh, the shenanigans on the sideline, uh, the game with Arizona coming up on Sunday. And I know our buddy from hawkblogger.com, Brian Nemhauser, is ready for anything. How are you, pal? What's going on? How the hell are you, Softy? Uh, I'm good. I'm good. I'm ready for uh, for six consecutive weeks at minimum, hopefully seven, if the Huskies can make the Pac-12 championship game of Husky football on Saturdays and Seahawks football on either, I guess, Monday or Sunday. Uh, but we're ready for uh, the second half of the year for UW and getting into the uh, the rest of the year for the Seahawks after the bye, uh, after the win over Atlanta. I don't know, man. I mean, there's a million places we can start. Uh, you want to start by just giving us your thoughts and talking about what we saw against the Falcons on Sunday uh, because there's about 18 different things to talk about from that game, pal. Yeah, it's... <laughs> I don't know. Were you at the stadium on Sunday? Of course I was there. What kind of question is that? <laughs> I don't know. So, um, you know... I, you know, during the games, I'm, I'm obviously watching and I'm tweeting out things that I'm noticing, but, you know, you don't get a lot of sideline footage or anything like that, or, or, or even replays for that matter in the stadium. And, and so I was pretty blissfully unaware of the, the whole thing that went on with, with Richard Sherman and, and Chris Richard and the rest of the crew. And, uh, you know, I have to say that uh, to me, I, it feels like it's been, it's been turned into something that was a a reason for what happened. And what I saw was something that looked like a very, (laughs) what happened in the third quarter looked like football to me. It looked like a Falcons team that came out and made some um, adjustments and a Seahawks team that took a little while to to get their footing. And that was without some of their, their key starters. So I thought that was kind of an interesting, you know, uh, juxtaposition based on everyone, everyone. The story has been since, since the game has been the the sideline stuff. I didn't think that was the Hmm. the story. It should have been. Okay. Uh, well, that's not what's happening on my show. Uh, I don't know how much of my show you've heard this last week. Maybe the other stations yapping about that. We we did bring it up with Mike Holmgren when he was on yesterday. Uh, we brought it up with Mike Florio, but it's not like we've spent segment after segment after segment talking about it. And I think the biggest reason why is because the Seahawks won the game. I mean, if they'd lost the game, that may have been a much bigger issue. I think the way the Hawks have responded to it, by the way, Pete Carroll, no interest in talking talking about it. Richard Sherman, no interest in talking about it. Chris Richard is such a, you know, a blue collar button down guy to begin with that it was almost shocking to see. Uh, I was in my seats, uh, section 230, so the southwest corner of the stadium, and I didn't see Richard going after Richard. All I saw was Richard going after Richard, uh, and it was shocking at the time to see, but again, the Hawks won the game, and the bigger story, I think moving forward, coming out of that game for me, were two things. Uh, A positive and a negative. Number one, how do you avoid these breakdowns in communication? Because it happened again, like it happened last year versus Carolina. And then number two, I I think it's such an easily corrected thing that when the Hawks are all talking to each other the way they're supposed to, they showed for three quarters in that game against Atlanta that they still are one of the, if not the elite defense in the NFL. Oh, no doubt about it. I think that's exactly right. I, I 
I look at that game, and um, I, I'm almost most amazed by the way the Seahawks were able to right the ship in the fourth quarter. Yeah. Um, you know, everyone talks about that outburst by the Falcons in the third, and, and rightly so. I you mean, know they, what? Can I, can I interrupt you for a second yeah. there? Because you, 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 you talk about the way they responded in the fourth. When Atlanta got the ball back after the made field goal, and they got, what, a couple of minutes or so, first and ten from deep in their own territory, what was your confidence level like at that point? I was... 80% sure the Falcons were going to win. Wow. I was with you. Yeah. yeah. And it's not – honestly, that one isn't as much about the Seahawks or the Falcons in that case. It was just about having watched hundreds and hundreds of sport, you know, sporting events and football games. And when you blow a lead, then you blow a field goal, then you blow an extra point, and then you can't score the touchdown. You have to go for the field goal, and you're only up by two. That is just like, how many times does that end up with, you know, you're kicking yourself for missed opportunities? So that's, that was more it than any one particular thing. Yeah, I just was having flashbacks to the 2012 game uh, at that point <laughs> yeah. with the same kicker, by the way, and, and Matt Bryant. So I think I think you're exactly right that, I mean, look, it, it looked like in that third quarter that Atlanta had completely figured out the Seahawks defense. Uh, people were tweeting from a national perspective about how Chris Richard had no answers for Kyle Shanahan. And then to come back in the fourth quarter and hold them to, what, 25 yards on 11 plays uh, and give them nothing on the first three plays of that last drive, it was very impressive. And, you know, look, I, 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 I get where Richard's coming from. Those guys are prideful. And to give up points when you're not talking to each other is the worst way to do it. You get beat by a great player, fine. Whatever, tip your hat and you move on. But that game easily could have been a 30-3 to or 30-10 to type ass-kicking for the Seahawks on Sunday, man. Easily. Yeah, I, I'm always really cautious about talking about predictions and you know i get a little uh, superstitious but i i i was pretty confident heading into that game and the number i had in mind was 31 14 that's yeah. what i expected the seahawks to do i thought they had enough of an advantage on offense i thought that they you know were getting healthier and i thought the defense would be able to hold now when i heard cam and frank clark weren't going to play it definitely affected my confidence i think cam is having one of his better years and i think is a key part of it and Sure enough, I think that more than anything else is why that game was close. Yeah. Cam Chancellor's in that game. I don't think that Kyle Shanahan figured out the Seahawks defense. There was two blown coverages that led to two touchdowns that, you know, it wasn't like Julio Jones beat somebody. He ran by himself and caught a football and like good for them, but that's not that's not anyone getting beat. So, yep. uh, you know, I thought Shanahan made some good adjustments. They went into play action. Uh, Matt Ryan was under center. I don't know if you noticed in the first half, but I think the crowd noise absolutely and even Ryan mentioned this after the game. I think it was really affecting them. Yeah. He was diving to the ground on some of those sacks before anyone was even there. Um so I think he was he was here in footsteps um and I think the Seahawks had a good game plan for them. But even with all that, even with all that went they scored 21 points in one quarter, right? Yeah. They end up with 100 less yards than their their season average. They end up with 10 less points than, you know, they score on average coming into that game. Tevin Coleman and Devonta Freeman, they had 286 yards combined against the Broncos, which are, according to most people, the best defense in history right now. Yeah. 
Um, yeah. they fin- those guys finished with 67 yards against the yep. Seahawks. So, yep. you know, this was, this was, I think, way overblown. I think people are just looking for the Seahawks' defense to fall, and I think they're going to be disappointed because they're not going anywhere. Well, I think, first of all, if, if people are talking like that, that's ridiculous. Okay, that's just dumb. This is an offense that was averaging 460 a game that was held to 86 yards in the first half of that game on Sunday. And again, it wasn't about Atlanta. I agree with you, figuring things out. It was about unforced errors like in tennis for the Seahawks' defense in that third quarter. And the way they rallied, figured things out, again, without Frank Clark, without Cam Chancellor, and oh, by the way, Brian, for a large majority of that second half, without Michael, Michael Bennett. Bennett the whole okay? quarter, yeah. yeah, so give me a break. I mean, if first of all, don't even pay attention. Why do you do that? Why do you pay attention to that nonsense? It's ridiculous. It's completely idiotic. Now, there were some questions going in after you'd faced, you know, Tannehill, Case Keenum, Ryan Fitzpatrick, and Blaine Gabbert. How will you perform against a top-notch quarterback? And outside of brain farts, they were fine. I thought the crowd noise was great, as it always is, but I thought even a bigger factor was how much Matt Ryan just got physically abused mm-hmm. by the Seahawks. I mean, he was taking so many hits at one point in the game, he was complaining about it, man. Yeah, yeah. It was. I mean, the, the pass rush is, is looking fierce. It's really nice to see. And I do think it matters a lot to see how the team closed out. So after they scored three touchdowns in a row, Atlanta did in the second half, um, you had three possessions for the Falcons. Four plays, 10 yards and a punt. Three plays, 14 yards and an interception. Four plays, zero yards, turnover on downs. Yeah, and that'll that, work. That, that's good work, right? Yeah. You know, that, yeah. That's when it matters. And, and now you've had two times this season when an opponent has been down by less than a field goal against the Seahawks with the ball at the end of the game and a chance to win. One against Miami, one against Atlanta. That's combined for seven plays, for negative 17 yards. Mm. That's what the two offenses that had a chance to win against the Seahawks have done. Contrast that with what we saw last year, right? I mean, how many fourth quarter, you know, heartbreaking losses did we see at the beginning of the season to where you and I on this podcast were talking about like, hey, you know, it's not how you start, how you finish, and the Seahawks aren't finishing very well. Right, so right. so it's, it's, yeah. it's really a big turnaround. Yeah, Cincinnati, Carolina, Arizona game at home uh, after Green the bye, bit, Green yeah. Bay, St. Louis, whatever. So, yeah, so far in that regard, they're off to a better start. I mean, hell, they're they're one touchdown away uh, from being a 5-0 football team right now if they could have gotten that, uh, that score against the Rams in week two. But you move on, the Arizona Cardinals now up on Sunday, and the Hawks have completely dominated them in Glendale for three years in a row i was doing some number crunching i usually leave that to you but i thought i'd take some off your plate this week yeah hit me hit me well russell wilson's got a combined passer rating the last three years in glendale of 122.8 now that's just against arizona not the super bowl okay for any smart asses out there cardinal quarterbacks are at 52.4 and that includes two starts from carson palmer so this is not just about, you know, Ryan Lindley and Logan Thomas and Drew Stanton. Carson Palmer, uh, the last time he saw the Hawks in Arizona was 12 for 29 for a buck 29. And three years ago was 30 of 45 for 258 with two picks and was sacked seven times. They've totally owned this Cardinal offense the last three years they've played down there. But my concern this Sunday is there's a little new wrinkle now with that Cardinal offense. And that's a guy named David Johnson. Well, it's, it's, it is a little bit of a new wrinkle, but he started the last game last year against uh, uh, the Seahawks in Arizona, and he was held to about you know, 20 yards on 11 carries, 25 yards on 11 carries. So, 
you know, he's not he's not that new. And um, yeah, I think they're missing Evan Mathis. Um, we'll see. Upati's supposed to be back. He's been practicing this week, so that's a big big addition for them. But you know, we'll we'll see. I, I think that. Um, there's a few things that are kind of somewhat hidden factors to most people about the Seahawks going to Glendale. One is, this is where Russell Wilson started his very first game. Correct. Um, I remember sitting, I was literally sitting right next to Robert Turbin's father, who was playing in his first game Wow. Uh, that same day. And, you know, that's the day Doug Baldwin had his teeth knocked out yeah. trying to dive for a, you know, a touchdown to win that game. Yeah, the that's end. the day that uh, Braylon Edwards dropped a <laughs> touchdown pass. That is right. In the end zone. That's right. Oh, now you agree with me. Well, I, I just chose not to fight you on it, man. <laughs> I'm trying to grow and get, get a little bit less, to, you know, combative. But, but yes. So I think that for, I wouldn't be surprised if this this stadium has special meaning for Russell. He first game, he's played a Super Bowl there. I mean, there's a lot of memories to to that place. The other hidden factor is I don't know, I don't know the last time you've been down for one of these games, Softy, but they. It is about one third Seahawks fan oh, yeah. there. Yeah. They take over the place, and it is loud. Um, so I think it's just it's an interesting atmosphere. Um, I think it puts the the home team a little bit off their 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 comfort out of their comfort zone. And you know, end of the day, it really comes down to how good is the Seahawks um, team that's in there, and, and how good is the Cardinals team. And uh, you know, this is going to be an interesting one. I think this Cardinals defense, it's 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 almost the opposite of what we've seen in past years. The Cardinals defense is really leading that team, and the Seahawks offense has been not altogether what it's supposed to be yet. So yeah. um, that's more the story than what has typically been the story, which is the Cardinals offense against the Seahawks defense. Well, two things. Uh, the last time I was in that stadium was for the Super Bowl. That's number one. Oh, that's right. Number two, I was there in 2013 uh, for the Thursday night game because the Huskies played ASU on that Saturday. So we saw the Thursday night win. That's the game where I thought Russell Wilson was going to get killed because uh, the offensive line was in like a code red situation, but they still won the football game. Yep. And I'm telling you that that show that we did on the Thursday, uh, the uh, the pregame show that we did from what's the bar called there, McMenamins, whatever it is, oh, the bar I'm talking about. I do. I'm, it's I'm just outside the stadium, right? The Seahawks bar. Basically. Yeah, I, I've I've never done a road show with more fans with us than that one. And I've done a lot of Husky road shows before where a lot of dog fans show up. I'm telling you, Brian, and I'm not exaggerating at all. You're going to think I'm exaggerating, but you know that that, that kind of outdoor courtyard area yep. they have outside the bar? Yep. There were a thousand Seahawk fans there. Uh-huh. I'm not kidding you. I, I believe you. I got a phone call from the guy that owns that bar the next morning. He said they ran out of hamburgers, hot dogs, french fries, soda, beer. They ran out of everything. Couldn't even open for lunch the next day. Had to wait until dinner, until the food showed up. So I've, I've never done a road show with more fans there. And you're right, man. Every time they play down there, I'm telling you, 10,000 Seahawks fans, 7,500 Seahawks fans. I mean, obviously, the better the Seahawks play, the louder they are and the more vocal they are when the Cardinal fans are taken off in the third quarter. But I think that stadium on Sunday night is going to be full of Seahawks fans. And if they can get up on top of these guys early, it's going to be a beautiful sight, man. Yeah, absolutely. And definitely for people that haven't done a road trip, it was actually my first real uh, road trip was going to a Seahawks game in Arizona. And it's, it's a great, I mean, you get the, you get the weather, you get, I mean, it's a great stadium. I love the stadium. The food around there is great. Um, you know, and, and uh, usually the Seahawks do pretty well. So it's close by. So I think, um, you know, hopefully people take advantage of it. I think we'll see that, but I'm really intrigued by just seeing, 
can the Seahawks get right on offense? I mean, I, I have a lot of confidence that the Seahawks defense is going to play well, and I think we'll see what happens. I mean, Cardinals, at the very least, Carson Palmer is not 100%. I yeah. mean, he hasn't oh, yeah. been practicting all week. He got he beat said, up pretty good on Monday night. Yeah, and he says he's going to he's gonna play, but he's been taking sacks. He's been, you know, they've been talking about his arm strength being not what it's been in the past. He's been throwing picks. He's, his, his completion rate... 31st in the NFL. I mean, he's just not not the same guy. Michael Floyd hasn't been playing well. John Brown and Jerron Brown are both on the injured list and haven't been practicing. Um, you know, so uh, Evan Mathis is out, so they got a you know a guy making his second start at, at one of the guard positions. So uh, the Seahawks defense, you know, needs to step up and really you know play as well as possible. But it's really the Seahawks offense. Yeah, um, got to figure out a way to to run the ball a little bit. Um, that's well, gonna be a big deal. Listen, you hear Tom Cable on Wednesday? I did, I did. I love his, listening to him. He's always straight. Yeah, he said the running game at times looks like it's not worth a damn. And I went on the air on Wednesday um, in my first segment, even before Tom Cable talked, and I just said, look, I think the run game, not even by Seahawks standards, forget Seahawks standards, just by NFL standards, I think the run game stinks right now. I mean, you're in the mid-20s in rushing offense. You're 30th in yards per attempt. Are you kidding me? Kristen Michael is at 4-4, I think, right now, but take away his longest run. The guy's at 3.8, 3.9. Um, they talk about wanting to run the ball more they're 22nd in the NFL in rushing attempts and I guess my point would be okay if you want to run the ball more then just run the ball more I mean it's not like you've been getting blown out in these games and you got no choice but to throw the football because you're down 20 points you want to run the ball more Pete then run the damn ball yeah it's what am I missing here well, I, I think I think that that's a bit of a smokescreen from them, right? I mean, I think if they were feeling confident in they can't run, run the ball, game, they can't they run would the be ball. running the ball exactly. More. Right. I think they're seeing it early in the games; they're not getting the push. And Daryl Bevel this week said, "Hey, look, I, it's easy for me to call a run when we're getting two yards or three yards, because uh, then I know I can get to like a third and six and a manageable situation. It's when we're getting zero or losing yards. Well, they're not really getting zero or losing yards that much, but they're still not calling the run. I think they feel more confidence in the past i think you know this is a team that it is the unspoken story because uh you know we're also focused on the run game not being where it used to be but the seahawks ranked 14th in the nfl in an opponent sack rate you know sacks per drop back and and that is you know double you know that, that, that they're like you know they were 32nd in the league last year you know most of the season in that number so i think they're feeling more confident with the pass and I think the thing that's the biggest factor here, Dave, mm. is Russell's health, and that they don't they don't have the read option, and it is a yeah. base part of their run offense. Yeah. And I just don't think they've been able to just line up and beat people for a few right. years, really. Well, he was uh, after five games last year, 198 yards rushing. He's at 35 now after yeah. five games. All right, so you don't need to look any further than that. But I also think for this game Sunday, I'm curious to know what happens today. By the time you and I are done talking here, the Seahawks practice will end. Um, did you hear Pete's reaction when he was asked about Cam on Wednesday? On Wednesday, I heard day to day. Yeah, he sounded kind of exasperated. Like there was some frustration there. Not like with him. He's not upset with Cam at all. I'm just talking about that. He he sounded to me like a guy who knew there was a chance, at least on Wednesday, that he may not play again Sunday, and that'd be a major blow. Yeah, I, here's the way I'm seeing it. Like just reading the tea leaves, the way the way they've played with soft tissue injuries in the past, and yep. and yep. there he's not going to play. 
Um, you know, he hasn't practiced yet. We'll see what the report is for today. Unless he's all of a sudden a, you know, participant in practice, my guess is he'll be a did not practice today and he'll be doubtful for Sunday or maybe questionable. Yep. And, you know, the good news is hopefully you get a Frank Clark back. Um, you know, Kelsey McCray had his, his game and hopefully they've, they've, you know, cleaned up some of the communication issues. But I think he's going to be out. Thank God. Thank God. Michael Bennett was not more seriously oh. hurt. Oh. I mean, God, that was that was a season flash. I mean, people talk about the impact of losing your quarterback. You lose Michael Bennett. As far as I'm concerned, your chances of the Super Bowl, you know, are, are significantly reduced. So uh, that was that was huge, and it's great to have him. So I'm trying to focus a little bit on on who they're going to have, but yep. uh, you know, Cam's going to get back, um, you know, soon. But but that doesn't think, seem like this week's the week. Well, I just think uh, even more so than the breakdowns in the past game, the defense. Because again, I. I I think that's, I mean, putting guys in the right spot should be easily corrected. These guys are pros. They're grown men. They get paid a lot of money. It's what Cam does against the run. I mean, I mean, look, man, Kelsey McCray is 6'2 and weighs about 200 pounds. Cam Chancellor is 6'3, 225. Mm-hmm. It's a different type of athlete than Kelsey Absolutely. McCray is at strong safety, dude. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah and, and in a game like this where the run game for the Cardinals is probably the bellwether of how this game goes. Yeah. If the, if the Cardinals can't run the ball, I think the Seahawks have a good chance to win this game by you know a decent margin. If the Cardinals are able to establish the run, I think the Cardinals have a pretty good shot of winning. So yeah. I think it's going to 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 be pivoting on that. And I think Cam Chancellor, we've seen. I mean, this is where he put you know Eric Winston on his back. This is this is a guy that will fit right up in there. And Kelsey McCray is a great tackler, but he's not a physical player. No, so no. Um, it, it is a big factor. And and unfortunately, they'll probably have to prove that they can do it without him. All right, buddy. Great stuff. Uh, well done. Nice job. We'll have you back next week. How's that sound? That sounds great, man. All right, man. Take care. All right, take care. You bet. Uh, Brian Nemhauser, Hawk Blogger on Twitter, at Hawk Blogger, website, hawkblogger.com. Great stuff there, and it's all free, by the way. So check it out. Uh, thanks for checking this out, and we'll talk to you next week.